Welcome to Keep the Ball Rolling, presented by Tommy Media. On today's show, we talk about the Tommy's performances in the men's and women's Mayak basketball tournaments and preview the NCAA Division III tournament brackets. Vikings radio play-by-play man Paul Allen calls in and joins the show. And we wrap up the show with Tommy Hockey Talk in the NFL Combine. Hi everyone, welcome to episode one, season three of Keep the Ball Rolling. I am the new host, Carly Noble, with my co-host, Alex Panos. We're so excited to be hosting Keep the Ball Rolling this semester. Alex, how excited are you? I'm very excited. Uh, we got some really good guests coming up, including Paul Allen today. That's very exciting. Uh, Minneapolis celebrity Paul Allen. Um, also, we got some good uh, Tommy Hoops to talk about today, which is exciting. Some Tommy Hoops, um, NCAA Division Three bracket preview yeah. for our teams. Paul Allen, and then some Tommy Hockey, and some NFL Combine talk. Yep, love the NFL. So, we're super excited, but we'll start with Tommy Hoops. Uh-huh. Where should we start, men's basketball? You gotta start the men's game this week, gotta start there. Um, the men's, they played uh, Augsburg Thursday, last Thursday, in an absolute classic basketball game. Uh, nothing nothing more to say about the, how classic this game was. Um, the men were down with by 20 points with 11.35 left in the game, and they came back. It was the probably the most fun 11-minute, 35 seconds of basketball I've ever seen. I agree. I mean, it was the, a great semifinal game. It's unfortunate. It ended in a little bit of a heartbreaker for yeah. us. But it was super fun to watch. Yeah, and we were both there. Mm-hmm. So we can just say, spectating. We yep, weren't even reporting. Nope, just spectating, uh, supporting the team. Mm-hmm. And um, that last 10 minutes was just – it was something else. I mean, the fans, the atmosphere – it was it was truly special. Um, the final was eighty four to eighty one. We uh, missed two or three pointers to win at the end. Yeah, but. Uh, Matt Matt Carrick, the guard for Augsburg, hit hit the game winning three twenty seconds left. He had twenty three points, pretty much unstoppable. Him and uh, uh, Booker Copeland, who had thirty two, just uh, really really good players for the uh, for the Augies. But um, I think that our our run in the second half was sparked by. Uh, Michael Hannon, he was 7-for-7 seven seven with 17 points. Um, he pretty much sparked that comeback, uh, along with Connor Bear, who uh, led the team with 18. And I think my my favorite mo- moment of the game was uh, Connor had that Connor's breakaway dunk, dunk <laughs> to tie it, and then the Augsburg, Augsburg called timeout. That was really, really fun. I definitely think that's what sparked momentum there. Yep. It's unfortunate we didn't shoot very well, especially in the first half. Yeah. All the threes just weren't going in, and I felt like Augsburg was shooting lights out. Yep. I mean, Booker Copeland, he played all 40 minutes, Yeah. and he leads the conference in 28 points per game. That's a lot. So it was it was difficult, I feel like, to shut him down. He was on top of it that night, and I feel like that's kind of what hurt us. Yeah. But It's pretty astonishing that a player like that is playing Division three basketball, where he can oh, average yeah. 28 points. That seems like uh, some bigger schools missed out on him. Um, but yeah, it was a fun game, and um, we ended up making the tournament as an at-large, and Augsburg didn't, so we have the last laugh in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to the uh, the tournament preview in a little bit. Uh, move on to the women's uh, Mayak tournament. They opened uh, tournament playing the semi. They had a first round bye, so they opened with uh, Gustavus Adolphus, and they won sixty four to thirty nine on Thursday, right before the men's game. Um, it was close early. Uh, I talked to Coach Sin after the game, and she said that. Uh, Gustavus was was much improved team, but uh, as the score shows, it wasn't uh, 
they weren't that much of a challenge down mm-hmm. the stretch. And then we moved on to Saturday's uh, Mayak Championship against Augsburg, where we won 73-54. Yep. to 54. You were at that game, weren't you? I was at that game, uh, covered that game on Saturday afternoon. Um, Hannah Spaulding, the great Hannah Spaulding, had 25 points and 17 rebounds. Um, for whatever reason, whenever she plays Augsburg, she just <laughs> dominates people. It's pretty pretty awesome to watch. As always. Um, in her first game, she had uh, 32-21 and 21 versus Augsburg. Um, and, yeah, Augsburg, once they were ranked 24th in the country, but we won by 19, so uh, pretty good stuff. And then after that win, we got the auto bid, so um, that leads us into our preview of the Division Three preview, if you want to go sure. there. Um, so this is the women's 26 um, NCAA playoff trip, which is pretty insane. Um, St. Thomas has won 16 games in a row this season and 23 at home since December 2017, which that's incredible, yeah. I think. Um, their win over Augsburg was number 74 in a row against Mayak opponents. And a fun fact about that is that is the second longest conference win streak in NCAA basketball at all levels, both genders, behind the Connecticut Huskies. Yeah. That's pretty insane. That's ridiculous. And a lot of people, the Mayak being weak in competition for women's basketball, that's definitely a problem. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, it's just amazing what they've been able to do. I mean, playing conference opponents week in and week out and just dom- not only beating them, but dominating them. Just absolutely dominating them. Um, and the girls, they'll move on. They'll play Rippin. Rippin. This, um, they'll play Rippin, who is 19-8 and eight and 16-2 and two in the Midwest Conference. They won their conference tournament, but mm-hmm. I don't think their conference is very good. Uh, they're 16-2, and two, so... Uh, but they had six non-conference losses, so I'm not sure how good they are. Yeah, this is the Red Hawks' uh, first time in 10 seasons into okay, the NCAA well, tournament. Go. Good, so good for them. Um, unfortunately, in our region, we have, uh, which is a little tough, a little kind of a tough draw for us. We have number four Amherst, who uh, mm-hmm. they're a good team, number four in the country. And we also, in our same region, we have Wartburg, who gave us our only losses here. Yep. Um, so. We lost by 20 to them earlier in the season. So hopefully, we can improve and we. It'll be exciting down the stretch if we if we face them. I think the biggest thing for our women's team will have to. I was looking at the Ripon roster. Um, center Maggie Oyman, she's six two, so she kind of matches up with Hannah Spalding. I yep. think she'll be their biggest scoring threat. She averages fourteen point five points per game. So I feel like if they shut her down in the paint, we I think Hannah will give her a good give her a good run for her money. You know. Yeah, I'm sure what people have done versus the uh, the Tommies this year is double Hannah in the post, um, but Hannah keeps calm. She never frets over that um i don't think this should be a problem and really realistically i think we have a pretty good chance of not only moving on in this region but winning it all as hot as this team is i agree um and if they win on a friday night they'd play the winner of illinois westland or uh, wisconsin lutheran saturday at home as well so i don't think i don't foresee a challenge until about round three if we have to Mm -hmm. play amherst which will be the number three team in the in the nation versus number four team in the nation. So that's a pretty good third round matchup. game for sure. Let's talk a little bit of a men's playoff. Yeah, sure. They got um UW Lacrosse, who's seventeen and nine and ten and four in the y- in the WIAC, which is a really good conference. That's with Whitewater, Oshkosh, Platteville, mm-hmm. um, Stevens Point, who's a good powerhouse in college basketball. Um they they're very spread out scoring, like the kinda like us. They match us. They have uh their two top scorers are Brendan Manning and uh Ben Meinholz. They are Averaging 13 and a half points per game, but besides that, they're really spread out like the Tommies. Mm-hmm. So it's similar styles, it seems like. Um, 
lacrosse, they have uh, they beat Bethel uh, and they lost to St. John. So those are some some Mayak teams. Get a, get an example of that. They also just uh, on February thirteenth they beat uh, number three Oshkosh, sixty six to sixty one. So this what this isn't a uh, a slouch team. You know we have it's kind of a tough draw. Um, that's what we get for not winning the tournament. <laughs> yep. Um, and if we win, we have to play Nebraska Wesleyan, who's the number one team in the country and reigning champion. So it's not. They have a twenty four and one record. Yeah. So, uh, it's not. It's not easy for us, but that's what we get for not winning the tournament. You know, you get a tough draw when you don't win the tournament. They're lucky to make it. I mean. Yeah, and it's good. the game's at a neutral site, uh, Nebraska. Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, yep, yep. We have two reporters going there, uh, Matthew Curry and Jacob Schneider. So they'll be covering the game. Yeah. Um, you can follow coverage on TommyMedia.com for that. And Friday. Um, Alex, aren't you covering women's basketball? I am. <laughs> I am covering the women's game versus Ripon Friday night at 8. Um, and probably Saturday as Probably well. Saturday if they move on, yep. which I think they will, and they'll probably host again since they're uh, up there in the rankings. Yep. And then for other Mayak teams in the men's tournament, uh, St. John's, they made it. Uh, they won the conference, and they played Northwestern St. Paul, which is another local team. And then that's it for the Mayak. Augsburg didn't get an at-large at bid, at large bid, as I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, real bummer. But realistically, it's kind of uh, it's they're one of the hottest teams in the country, and they could really, really could have made some noise if they did uh, make the tournament, especially with uh, Copeland and their really good three-point shooting. Fortunately for them, they did not make it. I have one little last fun fact: um, out of one thousand plus NCAA institutions, only two have both their men's and women's basketball teams ranked in the top ten nationally. St. Thomas, us, and Division Two, um, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. So wow. that's we are an elite company, ladies and gentlemen. The Tommies are. Look at us go. Uh huh. So yeah, that's a little fun fact for everyone. Um, yeah, so I think that wraps up our portion of Tommy Hoops and yep. NCAA talk. Uh huh. And next, we will be talking to Paul Allen on a phone interview. Exciting. All right, now we bring on the show Paul Allen, play-by-play man for the Minnesota Vikings. PA, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on, Tommy Media? <laughs> so we're just going to ask you a couple questions here. I think Carly's going to start. Um, our first couple questions are just more serious questions about your job, and then we'll move into some Viking stuff and then a fun question as well. So we'll start with you just completed your 17th season in 2018 as the Vikings commentator. Could you tell us a little bit about what the past 17 years have meant to you? You know, I guess I guess you could look at it like there 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 are only 32 who do what I do, um, so I think that's really cool. Um, I think being close to a football team and uh, being close to a situation where, you know, the 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 wins and the losses really matter. I mean, as as Vikings fans or football fans. You know, people feel the passion with the wins or the losses, but but when you're part of that family and you're right next to it, it it really it heightens and and it goes to a different level. So, you know, whether it's uh, whether it's 2002 with the uh, first regular season game uh, in Champaign, Illinois, and um, a tough loss to the uh, Chicago Bears on, on a day where the heat index was 120, or um, the last game I called in 2018 at U.S. Bank Stadium in, in a tough loss to the Chicago Bears, everything in between has, has been fantastic. And um, I, 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 couldn't, um, I, I just couldn't express any more, you know, how, how privileged I am to do, the, to do that job. That's great. Do you ever see yourself calling games for any other team in the future or just the Vikings? 
I'm not, you know, I, I certainly can never say never, mm-hmm. um, you know, specifically when it comes to calling games for another team. You know, I'm 53 years of age. I've done this for uh, 17 years here. And, you know, I, I, I would like to be the, the type that works with one team for 25, 30, 35 years. And, and I would like that team to be the Minnesota Vikings. When it, uh, when it comes to, you know, doing things nationally on television or radio, I've never really had any interest in that. You know, again, the, uh, the, the fiber of working with an individual team, forging relationships with people with that team, and, and kind of living vicariously through their happiness after wins and when things are going well and, and subsequently the sadness when things are not going well, you know, that's, uh, that's very unique. And, um, you know, when you do things nationally for radio or TV, you know, one, one week you may be doing Tennessee Jacksonville, then the next week you may be doing Houston, Indianapolis, and then after that you have Arizona and Seattle. And, you know, while, while it would be fun, and, and I think I could do a good job at it, I, I just think it would lack the intimacy of working with a team. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important for these uh, for the fans of the Vikings is having you around for such a long time. They can just they have that connection with you, and I think that's very really important to fans. Uh, so, what is your favorite moment as a play-by-play man for the Vikings? I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyways. You know, I mean, I, I can't necessarily pinpoint exactly one moment. I think the right answer would be Keenum to Diggs in the in the 2018 divisional yep. round otherwise known as the Minneapolis Miracle. I mean that that certainly for me was the most memorable. Yep. Um the you know the the entire 2009 season when Brett Favre was the quarterback of professionally course. speaking that that's the apex for me. Um e- even even the the emotional NFC Championship game lost at the Superdome. Uh-huh. You know, after that game where where we're one step from the Super Bowl and you know the 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 offense runs up 525 yards of offense but they give the ball away five times and you know the Hall of Fame quarterback gets beaten up the way he did. It just was an unbelievably emotional experience. Uh, professionally and personally. And yep. and I say personally because of how seriously I take this job. And, you know, after after that game, you know, to embrace Brett Favre and Adrian Peterson and Percy Harvin and Sidney Rice and John Sullivan and, you know, some other people who legitimately were grieving, that that is probably the most memorable moment I've had of all the games that I've called. You know, but uh, but the fondest memory certainly would be the the Minneapolis miracle and and the victory over the Saints. Yeah, I was I was actually there in attendance that night. Um, something special for sure. Something I'll never forget. I've never I always like to say I've never seen so many uh, grown adults crying in one place. Um, <laughs> it was absolute jubilation in that stadium that night. I'll never forget that. That's for sure. Well, the 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 stadium the stadium was unbelievable. I mean, there it's it's the only time in my career you know having called three hundred some odd games. It um it's it's the only time where fans were trying to climb into the announcer's booth, the Vox box. You know, they, they they saw us pumping fists and high fiving and embracing and stuff like that and you know, there there were people who were trying to climb into the booth. They wanted to be part of it. Yep. And, you know, that just it was an out of body experience for many, many people. Um I, I couldn't I couldn't collect my thoughts after the game. I, I was just so euphoric with what had just happened. Yeah, I remember uh, then from Sports Illustrated, now in the NBC family, super well-respected 
uh, NFL writer Peter King called me, I'd say, 35 minutes after the game. And I'm in the Vikings locker room, and, and all he said was, what did you say? You know, like, like what, what was your call yeah. at the end of the game? And, and, and all I could remember was I said, it's a 61-yard Minneapolis miracle. And yep. I couldn't remember the rest of it. And it, it really, you know, the, the euphoria from that game was long-lasting. Uh, in fact, at, at least a day, day and a half. And, you know, but then uh, from a player and coach standpoint, and even from a uh, broadcaster standpoint, you know, you you got to forget about it for a minute and move on to the next game. It seems like we didn't collect ourselves as a team very well with that next game in Philadelphia. Um, so uh, we're going to move on from the, as much as I like talking about the Minneapolis miracle, um, we're just gonna talk about. Can we talk about Kirk Cousins a little bit and the hate he gets from Vikings fans, at least this season? Is this, do you think this is warranted, or does this man deserve more chances? Well, with Kirk, you know, when you when when you sign on for an eighty-four million dollar guaranteed deal, uh, you you are going to you're you're going to open yourself up for you know things that that quarterbacks or players who who don't make as much money are going to be subjected to whether whether it's in a stadium on a sports radio show on Tommy media or or on social network twitter or whatever you know and 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 Kirk knows that and Kirk's very smart yep. you know Kirk at the end of the equation finished with 4000 yards and thir- and 30 touchdowns and and when you do that you should be able to win a bunch of games yeah. now I, you know I think I think Kirk said you know, somewhere around the Super Bowl at the end of the season, you know, that that you know he recognizes things need to be better, and and I would imagine it's not only with him but but with the team. So, yep. you know, the 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 first year I felt was a little trying, you know, with uh, Kirk Cousins as quarterback because they they started out poorly and couldn't get the defense right. Then when they got the defense right, the offense came back a little bit, and it just it was not. It, it was not cohesive at any point during the year where you truly had the offense hitting on all cylinders, the defense was on hit legit, and, and the special teams was complementing everything. And, yep. and when all those three facets came together, it was one of the better teams in the NFL. Yep. So I think, uh, you know, with an offseason of, of being able to tweak some things, uh, the fact that, that they, they fired their offensive coordinator late in the season, so there's another change. You know, and it was a first-year offensive coordinator for the Vikings with a new offense, and Kirk's new to the whole thing. Um, now into the second year with a full offseason and more stability, offensively speaking, you know, the, this this should be a better year not only for Kirk, but but for the entire Minnesota Vikings team. Yeah, and now that they have all this cohesion uh, second year, um, do you think that with the new, new offense, do you think that uh, there's a there's a big uh, pressure on Mike Zimmer to succeed this year? Even if he doesn't win, maybe he will be in the hot seat this year. I, you know, I'm not going to just say this year. Being a head coach in the National Football League, you of have course. a ton of pressure on you every single week of every season. Um, you know, specifically when you're defensive-minded like Mike, and there are so many good offenses in the NFL. So it, it's a pressure business to whom much is given, much is expected. And, yep. and that, you know, that, that goes for the quarterback too. So um, I'm not, you know, Mike's, Mike's incredibly good at what he does. And we've won the division twice with Zimmer. We got to the NFC title game one time. And really, honestly, he's been through a lot. I mean, yep. you know, early early in his head coaching career here, Adrian Peterson had the off-the-field situation with his kid. Um, we had an offensive coordinator quit in the middle of a the season. They fired an offensive coordinator late last season. 
Um, Teddy Bridgewater tore up his knee. Sam Bradford was NFC Offensive Player of the Week on a Monday night football game. He kills New Orleans. Then he's out for the year, and Keenum comes in and saves everything. So Mike Mike has had a lot of distraction yeah. uh, with which he's had to deal, and, and we always seem to come through. So I fully expect next year to be very, very good. And um, But for, for Mike, it, it, it's a pressure-filled situation every single week. Yeah, and I think with all of the off-field, distra- off-field and on-field distractions, uh, Coach Zimmer's done a fantastic job. It's, I mean, we've won the conference two of the last three years, and how many times can you say that in the past decade for the Vikings? I think he's done a really good job, and I am a strong believer in him. Paul, um, we're going to transition into some more of a fun atmosphere questions. Um, not that the Vikings aren't fun, but uh, for our listeners who don't know you, um, you used to call horse raising, racing at Canterbury. Are you still active in the horse racing culture? And do you have any hot tips for our listeners who, what, who they should bet on? Uh, very good question. Uh, it, um, it's what brought me to Minnesota in 1995. Uh, I am still a racetrack announcer at Canterbury Park. Uh, I've been a racetrack announcer for nearly half my life. Uh, in fact, right around a quarter century. And uh, when we open the first weekend in May in Shakopee, I, I will be back on the microphone. It, um, it's a labor of love for me. It's, uh, it's the reason I came to Minnesota. There are people with whom I work there who I respect and love and adore, and they're my best friends, and I would not, I would not be a K-fan or I would not be calling Vikings games if Canterbury didn't give me an opportunity in, in the mid-'90s. So I'm very, um, I'm very dedicated and uh, very, uh, uh, I'm very much in debt to, to Canterbury and the opportunity that was given to me. I have no idea how long I'll call races. I still enjoy it. And uh, the, the the hot tip would be to uh, come to Canterbury if you're looking for a good time. Oh, I've never a, been, so maybe I should. Maybe we have to get out there, see, some, go, see some races. Yeah. <laughs> so we were uh, looking on YouTube researching you, and we saw you were in a karaoke with uh, Wabi, and you guys were singing a little bit. How in the world did you get that singing prowess? <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that was embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, my face can't look any fatter. I can't oh. be any pos- I possibly can't be any more off-key. <laughs> um, but it's something they wanted to do for the Vikings Entertainment Network, so I did it. You know, and, yeah. and I'm not at this stage of my career, a couple of decades at K-Fan, 25 at Canterbury, 17 with the football team. I'm not, I'm not one that, that really needs to jump out on social media or with TV or with radio or anything. And like try to bring attention to myself i did it because they asked me to do it and i thought it would be fun and it was fun um my my kids uh like looking back at it and making fun of me um i you know honestly i was on i just in looking back at it it makes me uncomfortable but uh nevertheless it's there and it's there for everybody to see as long as they want to see it i personally love it so don't feel embarrassed it was very entertaining (laughs) all right so so paul um, at the end of each episode, we ask a producer question, and last season we asked the question, "Did Des catch it?" But we're going to switch it up this season, and we want to know: Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback of all time, in your opinion? I don't. Um, I don't really see how you, you you can say he's not. I mean, with the amount of wins he's had at the highest level, uh, I'm I'm a big longevity guy, you know. And 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 there in in my in my line of business, the entertainment business, then you take it to completely another level with him, uh, the the highest level of entertainment when it comes to sports, to be able to sustain two decades 
and continue to perform as well as he does and to keep his body uh, well-tuned the way it is, keep his mind fresh and sharp the way it is, and win the way he does. Uh, no, nobody's ever done that in the history of the NFL, and yes, he, he is the greatest quarterback ever to wear a helmet in the history of the NFL. I agree with you there. Um, I think, what do you think, Carl? Do you agree with that one? I agree with that. Although I'm from Green Bay and I'm a huge Packers fan. Um, that's I, great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ooh. I should have told you that earlier, but um, Yeah, that's no. fine. <laughs> it, okay, now, of the, of the Tommy Media equation here, and I've heard three voices, there's one microphone that's unbelievably good, and the, the other two are sketchy. How how did the Packers fan get the best microphone? Are you kidding me? Oh, that's, you know, that's I wonder, guys. Ab- as, as the kids would say, that's an absolute broadcasting L. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. We should give Packer fans the worst. Yeah, we got to get my man back. Come there on, guys. Our cousins' questions. On yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because I'm also from Wisconsin, but a Vikings fan. So that's because you're not from Trader. Green Bay. Yeah, Green that's Bay. All right. Well, that's and true. and you know what? To be to be serious and 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 honest with that, you know, I'm I'm not from here. Mm-hmm. I'm from Washington D.C. I went to high school and college in the Los Angeles area, and then I moved here full time in 1998. So I don't I don't have that deeply rooted hatred for Green Bay the way a lot of Minnesotans do. Oh yeah. Um, and, and in fact, my level of respect for Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers is pretty high. Now, the, you know, the reason I enjoy seeing Green Bay lose <laughs> is because it's the it's our chief rival. Yeah, and of course. It's another team in the division. So, you know, I don't know how long this is going to last uh, with the uh, Chicago Bears kind of ruling the roost. Uh, but the Bears, not the Packers, legitimately are the team to beat in our division. And um, and that's the target at which to shoot for the Vikings and Green Bay. So, you know, I, I have friends of mine um, who, who live in my neighborhood, and I'm very close with them, and they're Green Bay Packer fans, and, you know, I, I love them, and I respect the team. And, you know, honestly, in, in my travels in the NFL coming up on 20 years now, uh, when I get the opportunity to go to Lambeau Field, and it feels like I've been there about 22 times, it, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it, it is football Americana. Uh, the fans are fantastic. They, they really get the game. They're very smart. And, and calling games at Lambeau Field, that, that's a season highlight for me every year. I'm glad. I'm glad you love Lambeau. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think that's... Uh, I think well, that's I love it when we win at Lambeau. I don't love oh, it when yeah. our rookie oh. kicker misses three times. <laughs> <laughs> we, li- we like a skull chant at Lambeau Field. That's, oh, that's always fun. I do not do a skull chants. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has a price, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. All right, I think, that's, I think that's, all, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for talking with us, PA. Thanks, Paul. Right on, Tommy Media. Uh, best luck to you. Uh, best of luck to you guys uh, with uh, whatever your endeavors are. Yep. Uh, work hard. Be unique while being yourself, and uh, keep chasing your dreams. And anytime you need me for anything, let me know. Thanks right. so much, Paul. Thank you. Appreciate yep. it. See y'all later. Bye. Bye. We are back, starting talking about. Tommy Hockey. We will start with the men's team. Yeah, the men's team. They uh, they played at St. John's uh, this weekend, and they unfortunately lost four to one. Even though they outshot the Johnnies, they had more shots on goal, but they forty to twenty one. And they couldn't find the back of the net with forty shots and one goal to show. That's not good efficiency. Um, you don't like to see that. And it looks like they're done for the season. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna get a bid into the NCAA tournament. Just given their record, fourteen seven and five. Um, I don't know. I've talked to some some of the players, and they've 
they think they're done. So it's a little, it's a little heartbreaking for yeah. the seniors who uh, are. That's sad, but the crazy things are happening. Maybe they can sneak in somehow, some way. Maybe the uh, reputation of the university can get them, <laughs> get them in. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, um, the Tommy men though have qualified for the Mayak playoffs all 34 seasons. This uh, program has been in place, so that's pretty impressive and yeah. an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, making the tournament, obviously, winning is what you want, but making the tournament, there's some teams that'll make it. So, yeah, it's good for the program. Um, the Tommies were the third seed, and the Giants were the second seed in the tournament. Um, yeah, so season season's done for them. But the women, the yeah. women are just getting started. Uh-huh. <laughs> is what That's I would what like it to seems say. Like. Uh, they, I was at covering their game on Saturday, um, in the semifinal, and they swept Gustavus four to zero. Um, they're still ranked number one nationally. Number one. They're still up on the top, so that was a really good game. Um, I wasn't expecting a 4-0 sweep, but yeah. they started off with a goal in the first period by Alyssa Wallace. She's been playing pretty well for them. And then what was actually pretty bad was one of their players, Shay McLean, got hurt. Oh, yeah. This was not good. I saw a video on that on social media. It did not look good. She, that poor girl, took a skate to the thigh, mm. cut right through the muscle. I didn't know what happened. I was looking yeah. down on one end of the ice because there was a bunch of action going on, and this girl's, like, flailing on the ground. I'm like, Oof. what? I thought she passed out or something. And then they had to drag her off, and then later the coach told me, and I saw the video too, it was a skate, a big gash in her thigh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's scary. Painful. That's scary. You see on YouTube videos those uh, those freak hockey accidents. Oh, and then went right through her pads. It finally happens to one of your own players, and that's just... I know. That's one of my fears of playing hockey. I don't want to <laughs> get sliced open like that. Um, but after that, after that injury, her team really answered back. Um, I talked to the players after the game, and they said that just fueled their fire even more. They played. They wanted to play for Shea, so... They scored two more goals after that, making it four to zero, and they really closed the game out with that. Yeah, so they uh, that was my ex semifinal. So mm-hmm. they play the final uh, this Saturday at home versus Hamlin. They're big rival. That's a big rival. Uh, they uh, beat them once. Yep, and lost they them lost once. them once. So this is a rubber match per se. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be a really big game. Uh, Hamlin's ranked number four too, so yeah, it's another tough ranking. Top five matchup. That's a that's a big game. Um, and their coach is pre- pretty confident that they're going to make the tournament regardless of the outcome. Oh, yeah. I'm um, sure they will. They're ranked number one in yeah. the country. No big deal. And if you lose to a, if you lose to the number four team in the country, even if you don't, uh, even if you don't automatically automatically qualify, you're the number one team in the country, and you lose in your conference tournament. I'm pretty sure they will be able to make it. Obviously, you want to win for home field advantage and whatnot. Better uh, better shake out in the bracket. Um, probably an easier opponent. But if they, uh, regardless, they're gonna make, they're gonna be in the tournament. We'll see some uh, postseason women's hockey for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, this weekend we will have Brennan, our sports reporter, covering that. So, tune into Tommy Media for an update on that mm-hmm. final game, which should be very good. Um, and then we'll find out more about their uh, NCAA tournament yep. next week after the tournament. Uh, we're gonna move on to some a little national news, a ma- national uh, tidbit here. Um, so, for those of you who don't haven't heard, Robert Kraft, uh, the owner of the New England Patriots, the Patriots are in trouble again. <laughs> Seems like it happens at least every third year. Robert Kraft was charged with two misdemeanor accounts of soliciting a prostitute. Not uh, good for the Patriots. Not good. Uh, he was at not to a, mention he's seventy-seven years old. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> that the uh, he was at the Orchards of Asia Day Spa. Um, hours before the AFC Championship game, I found that very interesting. So uh, he he denies uh, everything. He says that he was 
not uh, partaking in such activities. Um, but the police have indicted him. And uh, it was hours before the AC Championship game, so he just went to the uh, spa. In Florida. Uh, yeah. Had some fun and then flew to Kansas City. So. Oh, well, what yeah. would any other owner do? And um, it lo- this looks bad for the Pats, obviously. Uh, but what, what they could get draft picks taken away, especially uh, with um, the history with Roger Goodell. You know, Roger Ooh. Goodell, Mr. Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, does not sit well with the Patriots or Mr. Kraft. So he could go harshly on this. Um, we'll see. Draft picks can be taken away, and he probably will be suspended for some games. Um, a couple years ago when the Colts uh, owner, Jim Irsay, got in trouble for DUI, he got suspended six games. So we'll see what happens with Mr. Kraft. Not There's looking good. a court good. date set for April 24th. Yep. So that's we'll going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. And it's just classic Patriots always getting in trouble. <laughs> classic Patriots. And also we got the Combine starting today, NFL Combine, which is in Indianapolis every year. Um, today we have interviews and exams. So uh, for those of you who don't know, the NFL Combine is like a uh, kind of a tryout almost for um, NFL players to uh, show the NFL teams what they got, owners, scouts, what have you. Um, and there's workouts and there's interviews and there's physicals and there's uh, psychological exams and all this kind of stuff to see if you're ready for the NFL. Um, and today is the first day with interviews and exams. And then uh, March 1st will be the first workout. So that's when they you can see the players on, it, on the field in action. They'll get tested 40 times, bench press. They'll run routes, the receivers. They'll uh, do D-line, O-line drills, stuff like that. Um, and those will be on NFL Network starting March 1st if you want to watch. Alex, we'll see you there, right? No, you will <laughs> not see me there. Maybe one day. Maybe one day? Yeah. Okay. Um, but the biggest storyline I'd say is uh, – quarterback Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma for you those of you who don't know uh, Kyler Murray was drafted I believe number nine overall with the Oakland Athletics sounds right and he committed to them to play for the Athletics and Billy Bean over there in Oakland Moneyball Um, and he had a Heisman Trophy winning season at Oklahoma this year and he decided you know what I think I want to play football and um, so he's declared for the draft, and it's going to be really interesting to see him. Uh, he's short. He's listed at 5'9", so it's going to be interesting to see. Well, he's listed at 5'10", but people think he's 5'9". It's going to be interesting to see what he tests in uh, in the draft. And the interview process should be interesting about that, too, because what were, what were his thought process about dropping out of baseball? <laughs> um, and we'll see if he's – and gonna, teams will see if he's, if he's actually uh, committed. He's definitely the biggest person to be watching out for. Um, also, look for uh, this D-line class in the draft is absolutely stacked. you got Nick Bose from Ohio State, Quinton Williams from Alabama, Josh Allen, who's more of an outside linebacker from Kentucky, and Rashawn Gary from Michigan. And the uh, it's just absolute D-line uh, powerhouse this year, which I like as a D-line for our St. Thomas Tommies. Hmm. I like to see the D-line represent. And the Vikings could be looking for some of those guys. Um, Everson Griffin, they might buy his contract out. They might cut him after some uh, controversy this offseason. So we'll look for that. Um, also, Anthony Barr will be a free agent, so Vikings will be looking for some uh, linebackers at the Combine this year. And then, of course, um, seems like we're saying this every year, but the Vikings will be looking for offensive linemen this year to, pr- to protect Kirk. So <laughs> hopefully we can get some of that going this week in Indianapolis. Well, I think that's a wrap for today's show. Yep. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us on our first show ever. We'll be back in a couple weeks with a new guest and to talk more Tommy sports. Stay tuned to Tommy Media this weekend for full coverage on playoff games. For Alex Panos and Althea Larson, I'm Carly Noble. We'll see you next time.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in at any time to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST radio.